happy to be back into the building. I know I am. I know it looks a little bit different, but the atmosphere and the feeling is just the same. And I know that something significant happens when the believers can gather together physically. And I know that today on Pentecost Sunday, I feel like God is going to do something. He's going to shift some things in our hearts and shift some things in our spirits and even in this room. And so with everything in you, I want you to lean into this message because I know that God has something to say to each and every single one of you. You know, on the day of Pentecost, It was several days after Jesus had told the disciples to wait. See, before he ascended into heaven, he actually said to his disciples, I need you to wait here in Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I find it interesting. I was looking at this, and biblical scholars say that this time of waiting, this few days, could have been anywhere between seven to ten days. And for us, it was ten weeks, right? Um, For ten weeks. We were waiting inside before we could gather again on the day of Pentecost. And I know this, just like Frosty said, there's some similarities, but hey, God's into the details, right? And so we were asked to wait in the same way the disciples were asked to wait. They didn't know necessarily how long these few days were going to be. They didn't necessarily know what this gift of the Holy Spirit was going to feel like or what it was going to feel like to have certain gifts unlocked on their life. They didn't really know, but then the day of Pentecost came. And just as Frosty had shared with you earlier, there was this sound like a violent rushing wind that came and tongues of fire was unlocked on every single believer in that room. And I feel like on today, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, in the same way he deposited something into them, he's going to deposit something into us. He deposited into them this eternal gift of the Holy Spirit, this eternal gift of grace and breakthrough and peace and unconventional joy. And I'm believing that he can do the same for us today. In fact, I've got a message for you called unconventional joy. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. You can actually find the notes on the same app that you just used to contact trace. If you just go back in there and go to sermon notes, you can start taking notes and push save and then it's all there on your phone. How good is that? But you can take notes there, but we are in a message series called Letters from Lockdown, where we are diving deep into the book of Philippians. And I'm so excited to bring you part three live and in person. Like, we didn't know that this was going to happen. You were about to watch it on the screen again, but now it's live and in person, and I'm so excited. And so before we get into it, can we just pray? God, I just thank you so much that we get to be here live in this room on the day of Pentecost. God, I know that So many years ago, you did something significant on this day for all the disciples that were gathered in the upper room. You deposited something within them that gave them this freedom, this peace, this joy, this breakthrough. And God, I pray that you would do the same for us today. I pray that you would open hearts and open minds to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would you say amen? So the book of Philippians is a book in the Bible, which is actually a letter. It's a letter written by an apostle named Paul, and he actually wrote this letter while he was sitting inside his prison cell, okay? This is where this letter is coming from. So if anybody had any reason to feel a little bit down, a little bit worried, a little bit anxious or overwhelmed with grief and sadness, it's, it's Paul. Like, if anybody had any reason to complain or have a frown on his face, let's go with the guy who's sitting in prison in a cold, damp cell, probably in chains. That guy was probably mistreated and abused and has no idea of his future prospects. He has every reason to not have joy, yet all throughout this letter, there is this theme that he weaves through about unconventional joy. 
It's amazing that while Paul was physically located in confinement, while he was physically in prison, he still was able to respond from a place of encouragement, a place of passion, of love, joy, and hope. And I want to read to you what he said to the church of Philippi in chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. He said, we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Look, it's true that I once relied on all I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. Y'all, just so you know, Paul is kind of the man, like he was the man before he became a Christian, and even after becoming a Christian, he becomes more of a man, right? Okay, so he's about to tell us how much of a man he is. He's saying, look, I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. If you don't know this about Paul, before he became a Christian, he was the one killing Christians. That's what he's talking about here. And then he says, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I have now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all of my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. That's what he wrote so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. There's a few things that Paul is saying to us throughout this letter, and I want to unpack this with you today. And I want to talk about what joy really is. I want to talk about what true joy, unconventional joy is. See, I think that what Paul is saying is that if you want to have joy no matter what, then you need to know a few things. First, you need to know that joy is not in me. It's in Jesus. Joy is not in me, it's in Jesus. Joy is not in you, it's in Jesus. Paul was saying, look, even with his long list of credentials, he said he would throw it all aside to experience the joy of knowing Christ and being found in Jesus. Here's the thing. We cannot work our way or achieve our way or accomplish our way to true joy or happiness or contentment. We can't. We cannot work enough or labor enough or strive enough to get to the place where we feel like we've done enough because guess what? There's always more to do. There is always more to accomplish. There is always more to achieve. And look, I have tried that whole lifestyle. I was just like Paul, trying to add things onto my padded resume because I thought it would make me feel happy. I thought it would bring me this eternal joy, but just like Paul, it was nothing. My past credentials are nothing in comparison to the hope and the joy that I've now found in Jesus. And I was trying to think of a way to show this to you so you could really grasp this concept. And so it's kind of like if you were looking for joy, in fleshly gain by trying to fill a bucket with holes in it. Let me show you. Christian, could you come help me out? Look at this guy. So Christian, I want you to grab this bucket and just hold that up for me so the people can see it. So imagine this, this, this bucket represents yourself. It's fleshly gain. And trying to work all the hours. Go ahead, hold it up higher. Work all the hours 
strive for those relationships is trying to just fill this bucket with holes in it. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many hours you work. It doesn't matter how many people you date. It's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to satisfy you at all. And it doesn't matter if you keep going, it's still not going to plug up those holes where all of your joy and your satisfaction is linking out. This bucket represents us. It's like fleshly gain. Every time we pour a cup into this bucket, there is no eternal significance. There's no eternal significance in that. You think that you might find something there, but you won't. You might try and go again. Same thing's going to happen. Every single time, it doesn't matter what job, what career, what person you date, same thing's going to happen when it's all in your own fleshly achievement. It's not going to plug up those holes that you know you feel in your heart because I've felt them too. We all feel like something is missing there. And so, so what's the answer? What's the solution? Well, joy's not in me. It's in Jesus. Paul was saying, look, I've tried all of that too, and I tried to get this eternal joy from all of these fleshly achievements, but it was nothing. And I would throw it all away because now I know Christ. See, what happens is Christ's work on the cross is, achieves everything that our fleshly achievement could not. See, what he did was Jesus went to the cross, and he paid the price that we all deserve to pay because, newsflash, we're all sinners, me too. We've all messed up. And we all deserve to pay a penalty, which is death. But Jesus said, look, I will take your place. And he paid the price that we deserve to pay. And when he did that, he made a way for us to be reunited with the Father, a way for us to be made righteous, a way for us to feel whole again, a way for us to feel satisfied and to embrace eternal salvation. How? Because when we accept the free gift of salvation and declare Jesus as Lord and Savior, we actually open our hearts for the Holy Spirit to move in. We open our hearts for the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, the one who was sent to us as the helper, as the advocate. We open our hearts for the Holy Spirit to move in. It's kind of like if I were to take this second bucket, unblemished and without defect, and place it within the first. Could you hold that higher for me? And now, if I were to try again, and get filled up again, this time it's not leaking out. This time I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me and it feels different now because the Holy Spirit has now covered my brokenness with all of his righteousness. He's covered me and changed me from the inside out. Now the outside might still look the same, but the inside is a completely different picture. See the joy, true joy is not in my fleshly achievements, but it's in the finished work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit transforming me from the inside out. And joy is also not in religion. It's not. It's in relationship. See, religion will tell you that there's this list of things that we can do and try to earn God's love or favor or to fix our brokenness or to make it right on our own strength. Religion will tell you that there is a God and that he saved us. Religion gives you head knowledge. It does. And head knowledge is good, but that's not enough. What you need is heart knowledge. And heart knowledge comes from being in relationship with Jesus, being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. See, relationship allows you to experience what is called unconditional love. It's a love that you couldn't earn or deserve no matter what you tried to do. Unconditional love. Relationship allows you to know the God who saved you. 
but on a personal and intimate basis. Relationship allows you to experience eternal joy when you start to walk with him. And look, y'all, I grew up in religion. I know it well. I went to a Catholic school for nine years and a Presbyterian church for 18. I could tick all of the boxes that would signify me as a good Christian girl growing up. I went to church every Sunday. I could recite the Lord's Prayer by memory, said grace before meals, served my community, fed the hungry, wrapped gifts for the poor, loved my neighbors. I knew of God. But the reality was I didn't personally know him. I didn't personally know him. What I was doing was exactly like Paul. I was just trying to tick off these check boxes that I thought would make me more righteous. But it wasn't until I was 22 years old and at our botany campus, I surrendered my life to God and was able to experience true joy in a new way. See, many people will go through life adding these religious tick boxes to their relationship with God, thinking that's going to fix them. And really, all of those tick boxes are really just like, these patches that they add on trying to plug up these holes, but they're never really going to stick and you're never fully going to be able to fix your brokenness on your own strength. What you need is righteousness to move in on the inside of you and actually for that to be the eternal significant change. Relationship is when you allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill you up from the inside, fill you up with all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, fill you up to the brim. That is eternal significance. And I love what Paul told the church of Philippi in chapter 3, verse 9 to 11. He said, my passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings. I will be one with him in his death. And only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. You see, what religion will give you is a knowledge of God. But relationship allows you to really know him personally. Relationship is becoming one with him in his sufferings, one with him in his death, but also one with him in his resurrection into eternal life. See, it is being found in Christ in Christ with him that you fully uncover the fullness of who he is. And when you do that, you uncover the fullness of who you are and of who he created you to be. That is why we run growth track many times throughout the year because we think it is so important that you discover who God is, who you are, and then who you were created to be. Unconventional joy is not found in religion. It is found in relationship and walking out a daily life with Jesus. But joy is also on the inside not the outside. Let's remember where Paul was writing this letter from. He was writing this letter from the floor of a prison cell where he was under persecution. If any circumstances were gonna pull that joy rug out from underneath him, this probably would have. And yet he said to the church of Philippi in chapter four, I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. Look, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Notice that Christ's strength in Paul produces something far greater than just fleshly achievement. It produces this deep contentment. 
And I think often when we read this scripture, you'll see this scripture quoted all throughout saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are your arms getting tired? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. <laughs> but we read this scripture and we think, <laughs> we think I can do all the things. I can accomplish all the things. But the context of this scripture is actually talking about contentment. It's saying when you do face persecution, when it is tough, you can do it. When you do walk through the darkest valley, you can do it. When you do walk through that suffering, you can do it. When your arms begin to shake, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Look, we are all going to face a season where the rug is going to get ripped out from underneath us. Now, we've, we're coming through this COVID season, but guess what? Another season will come. Another hardship will come. But Paul is writing this passage, and can we, like Paul, make the choice of having this joyful contentment over circumstantial happiness? Could you, despite what's going on on the outside, <laughs> find joy on the inside? See, here's the thing. The outside of this bucket, it represents you and your fleshly contentment. He's shaking. <laughs> it represents you and your fleshly, your fleshly achievement. And it doesn't matter how beaten and how bruised and how battered the outside of you gets. What's going on on the inside is the Holy Spirit. So that in whatever season you are walking through, you are still filled up with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what goes on on the outside. Doesn't matter what happens to you in that work situation. Doesn't matter what happens to you in your bank account. If you still got the Holy Spirit, you can do it. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're doing great. But, you know, this is, this is the reason why many people in society don't understand how strong Christians can have this joy about them even going through the toughest of seasons. You know, they might have had the worst news come through, but strong Christians are able to say, it's going to be okay. You know why? Because they've got the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside. So it doesn't matter what happens to them or to their physical body on the outside. What's on the inside is what really matters. See, even in the most rough situations, if you are filled up with the Holy Spirit, you can find joyful contentment based in his righteousness, not in your brokenness. Keys can join me now. Got one final point. The final thing you need to know about joy is that joy is not for you to keep. It's for you to share. Joy is not for you to keep, it's for you to share. I love what Psalm 23 verse 5 says. It says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. See, when you have the Holy Spirit filling you up from within, then you don't leak out through the holes of your own brokenness. Instead, your, uh, your cup overflows with his goodness. And God has got more than enough to fill you up. In fact, he's got so much. You ready for more? He's got so much that he will let your cup run over. He's got so much for you that he's going to fill you up to the brim and allow your joy to overflow. See, your joy is not for you to keep. It's for you to share with those around you. And even Paul knew that. Paul got joy from other people's joy. He was sitting in prison, yet he started out his letter by saying, look, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. You know why? Because when they brought him some different things to take care of him while he was in prison, 
They brought him joy and their joy overflowed onto him. And then when he put his pen to paper and wrote back to them, his joy overflowed onto them. See, oftentimes we can be desperately praying for an answer to prayer and we think God's not listening, but oftentimes he actually positions people around us so their joy can overflow onto us so that their joy can be overflowing onto us. This is why we believe so much in small groups, because it's in community where we were, we were designed to be connected, not just with each other, but with Christ. We were designed for community, and that's where we experience freedom and healing and breakthrough and joy. See, look what happens when this cup overflows. Ellie, will you come here for a second? And just put your hands right here in the front. See, what happens is when his cup overflows, Ellie can get the overflow of that. See, it doesn't matter if Ellie's had a rough day. If she could just position herself in small group, if she could just get around community, she could get the overflow of what's happening in the lives around her. This is what happens when you get around people. Your joy is not for you to keep, it's for you to share. Because sometimes other people need a top up and they can celebrate when you celebrate. They can win when you win. Your joy is not for you to keep, it's for you to share. And God's got more than enough to fill you right back up. Thank you so much. Absolute legend. Can we give Christian a round of applause? Here's the thing. When you win, we all win because we want your joy to overflow onto us. And when you're having a good day, get up here and get that crunchy because somebody in the seats is having a bad day and they need a reason to celebrate. And if you could give them that, your joy could overflow onto them. See, the outside of your life, it could look as if there's no reason to celebrate. It could look as if there's no reason to be happy, but when you've got the Holy Spirit filling you up from within, you've got this internal joy and this internal commitment. And I hope that when people brush shoulders with me, I hope people get an overflow of what's going on inside of me. And I hope people get an overflow of what's going on inside of you. And I hope that what's inside of you is good because that's the overflow that people are gonna get. See, I hope that when my cup overflows, I hope that it just sparks this curiosity in non-believers to actually ask questions, to say, why are you so happy when you shouldn't be? I hope that the overflow of my cup could actually pour onto believers to encourage them to go deeper into their faith, to get topped up, to be filled up with joy again. See, I hope that my cup always has confetti in it. I hope that my cup always has confetti overflowing on all the lives of the people around me. I hope that I always have a reason to celebrate and I always have a reason to traumatize Jordan on the front row. But I know that today on Pentecost Sunday, God wants to fill you up. He wants to put some confetti in your cup. He wants to give you a reason to keep smiling. He wants to remind you that no matter what you are walking through, you can do it through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. You can find this deep contentment even if you have lost your job. You can do it even if you have lost a family member. You can do it. It doesn't matter what you are walking through. If you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can do it. You can keep walking and keep striving and you can have confetti overflowing from your cup that people don't understand, but it sparks curiosity in people and it draws people closer to the source to where they ask, what do you got? Because I want that. And so church, as I come to a close, I just want to pray for you. 
I want to pray for two groups of people. And the first is a group of people where maybe you don't yet know God. You don't yet know the source of true joy. And you actually want to start a relationship with him. Or maybe you've been away from him for a while and you've been walking your own journey, trying to do it in your own way and in your own strength. And you've realized you got to get it right and you got to get back to God. I'm going to pray for you first. 